Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Good morning, Kieran. <coughs> it's Wednesday. How are you feeling this morning? Uh, I'm feeling as good as you can be, having gone to Luton, um, <laughs> seen yourself go a goal behind after 19 seconds and then 2-0 down after two minutes. Uh, fair, fair play to Luton. Excellent performance. They, they thoroughly deserve to win and... and uh, Nothing to moan about from from that point of view. Yeah, we weren't hard done to or anything. Um, and then coming home, I, I was, I was, yeah, you know, contemplating life. Perhaps, perhaps not concentrating on. Uh, yeah, you know, there's no, no traffic on the M25, and uh, I, I went through one of the pylons, and I was like, oh, no, I've gone a bit too fast, and I saw the flash. So, uh, I'm probably the only person from Brighton getting three points last night. Um, Aha. But, yeah. He, Boom, boom, yeah, the 1970s, we're back, we're back. <laughs> but Kieran, finally, finally you can look Uncle Terry in the eyes and say, I've, I've had a brush with the law, Uncle Terry. <laughs> well, g- given that I was on the M25 and he's probably under the M25, I probably could have a look, a look at him in his eyes. Yeah, we were we were both 1-0 down after 25 seconds last night. It, take, it takes, a bit of, takes a bit of doing. <laughs> I didn't even. I was still in the toilet. There was, I heard this vague rumbling. Somebody went off with one nil down. I said, "Come on, mate! It's only 25. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't remember Kieran doing the pod in these circumstances when Palace scored three goals the night before and Brighton conceded four. But don't worry, because you're you're playing us on Saturday. Arsenal hadn't scored for about four months before they beat, beat us five nil. So you'll be fine. You'll be fine on Saturday, Kieran. It's it's Newsday. Um, and our first bit of news is a sort of lack of news, essentially, Kieran. There's, I don't know what Sky are paying these people for, but there's, there's, there are pundits up and down the country cooling their heels outside training grounds, desperately yearning for the days when Harry Redknapp would drive out and give them a, <laughs> a little soundbite about who was being signed. It's, it's notwithstanding the fact that Palace bought two players yesterday, one of them in a position we already have two players in, which is fairly typical Palace, but it, it has been a noticeably quiet transfer window, Kieran. Any particular reason for that? Is it? I think there's a collective of reasons. Um, from a cash point of view, uh, the elite clubs who have got you know, uber-wealthy owners, they're unaffected, but the majority of clubs don't have that you know they, they so therefore there's a little bit of cash management one of the things which i think is not mentioned yeah, in the mainstream is that we ignore the fact that clubs have signed players in previous windows and i, and I went through my spreadsheet um last night because there was nothing else worth watching and uh <laughs> premier league clubs by themselves, owe in excess of two billion pounds in outstanding instalments uh, for for players that they've bought in previous windows, and a lot of those instalments have to be yeah they're normally paid either in the summer because it's normally done on an annual basis. So you've got summer payments and then you've got January payments, and the January payments are actually quite significant. So. It's a bit like if, if you've uh, if you spent a lot of money on your credit card, you, you you can't go out because you've got to start pay down your credit card. So I think clubs are are sort of having a bit of retrenchment. 
Um, if we go back 12 months, we had sort of Todd Bowley adopting the Dick Dastardly style curled moustache. I found out a way of cooking the books uh, through the, the Chelsea eight or nine year policy for amortization. That can't be repeated. So that's put extra pressure on. We also had in January 23, sort of the start of the Saudi Pro League. And that primed the pump, you know, by buying players from the Premier League, it all of a sudden meant that Premier League clubs had an extra 20 or 30, 40 million, whatever it was going to be, which they could then use to buy, which meant that somebody else had just received money. And and you you have this sort of uh, circular relationship when it comes to spending. And and nobody sort of set the hairs running because it has been uh, a quiet window from an international point of view because lack of activity from Saudi Pro League, lack of cash flow. Um, we, we now have the Premier League clubs realising that FFP is real you know, in respect of the charges that we've seen this month um, for Forest and Everton, you know, neither of those clubs, given what's just happened, could go out and you know you come and say right, we're, we're going to sign a couple of players ourselves. So, so it's it's a collective of factors um, which have resulted, and also I think we have become not spoiled, but we. We, too many people are living their lives vicariously through their football clubs and, and thinking that somebody else spending money that they can't actually afford is actually a good thing. And the clubs are now starting to to pull back on that um, and, and act in a probably slightly more prudent manner because they're also fully aware that you know, progress is being made with regard to the, the potential legislation in 2024 and the creation of an independent regulator. And, and if there seem to be largesse from the Premier League, when at the same time the Premier League's turning around to the EFL and says, yeah, that money we promised you six months ago, now we're not going to pay it to you, but we, we can't really afford it. Well, that doesn't look fit well if at the same time Premier League clubs are are, are going out and uh, speculating you know, huge sums of money in respect of the transfer market. And I suppose as well, Kieran, when you think about the Premier League, if you look at the five clubs at the bottom, who are the clubs traditionally at this time of year who are looking to get desperately uh, new players in, Burnley, Sheffield United and Luton haven't got that sort of budget to splash out mm. 30 40 million pounds on one or two players. And Everton and Forest, for uh, very obvious reasons, are not likely to do the same either. So you, you take out five usual suspects and it seems like, you know, but Newcastle and Tottenham very publicly saying, well, we're going to do our spending in, in the summer because it doesn't suit our budgets to do it now. Uh, and I think our silver-tongued uh, friends, Kieran, would like us to point out that any book cooking that Todd Bowley did was entirely legitimate, legal oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, right. ab- and above board. Yeah, Yes, yeah, and, and I've said that every time. It's it's within the accounting rules. Um, it's It's creative, but creative is okay. Um, talking of Everton, Kieran, they've lodged their appeal, um, but also seven 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 have reached down the back of that sofa again. That's right. So, so we're recording this on Wednesday, and uh, it sounds as if the appeal is going to take place Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week. Um, seems a long time because 
the noises that came certainly came from the Premier League appeared to indicate that Everton's appeal is going to be based on the lack of due process that was taking place rather than submitting additional evidence, um, which does seem, yeah, it does seem harsh. If, if new evidence has come to light, then you know, my view is surely Everton should be allowed to, to present that. Um, so we have, and this has come from um, Alan Myers uh, on, on his Twitter account, Alan Myers, uh, I, I know Alan from Sky, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a, Good thorough journalist. He he uh, he's an Everton fan, but uh, he he also sort of knows his way around things. So seven 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 partners, as by all accounts, now added a further thirteen million pounds uh, in terms of the loans to Everton, taking the grand total to one hundred and sixty. And this raises further questions. First of all, where on earth are seven 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 getting this money from? Yeah. Yeah, because they they don't seem to be issuing shares. Um, if they're borrowing the money themselves, one would imagine they're paying fairly high rates. What are their motives? Well, it could be that you know they've got to pay the, the construction company um, at Bramley Dock, uh, so you can see that they've they've got the regular bills to pay. Um, a, a cynic, and, and this is not a cynical show. A cynic might say that they're trying to create what we sometimes refer to as a debt bomb. They're, they're loading up Everton with so much debt as to make it unpalatable for alternate owners. And there, there is other interest in Everton. You know, if, if, so, oh, okay. Uh, there, there's, you know, I'm, I'm aware of uh, other potential uh, investors as, as, as you'd expect to be the case, it's an attractive proposition on so many levels. Um, but you wouldn't want to have to take over a business with somebody who's got unsecured loans, which they can demand repayment of immediately. Um, and it also could be sort of an, an indirect way of trying to force the Premier League into giving approval by saying, look, we put all this money in, we are good guys, Um, and if you don't hurry up and give us approval, then we might demand that money back, which the club hasn't got, so therefore the club goes into administration or worse, and the the Premier League, who it has to be said, are not popular um, in the blue half of uh, Merseyside. The Premier League is, is seen as being the bad guys in all this. Um, so I think we are looking at things from a political perspective as well as a financial one. And uh, 777 are, are playing games, which you know, they always say is, is just part of business. But it's, football is not a business. You know, football is that, that emotional investment that we, that we refer to so often. The media consensus seems to be, Kieran, that the outcome of the appeal won't be known until... April, which, if that's the case, it would indicate that the next investigation into Everton won't be concluded for this season, which gives us back, leads us into that situation before where the the Premier League have said quite clearly that they want any punishment to be imposed within the season it happened. And that doesn't look like it's going to happen with Everton, does it? This seems to be unnecessarily protracted. Yeah. I mean, there's there's various stories coming out. If, it, if it's a three-day hearing, 
then there's no reason why we couldn't have a ruling by mid-February, in my view. Um, and it could be that the the second uh, the second set of charges, which go up to June 23, both Forrest and Everton need time to put together you know, their presentations in respect of the decisions that were made. Uh, but I agree with you. If if it goes, if, if it go, if it goes to that last four or five games of the season, and we're still awaiting results, it's it's unfair on Everton and Forest because Sean Dyche doesn't know what he's got to do. Yeah, you know, does he need six points from the last five games? Does he need three points? Does he need twelve points? And that's you know when, when you set up a team, you you set it up with a particular objective. And it's also not fair on on the other clubs who are at that part of the table as well. You know, should should we, you know, if, if Luton are going away to, you know, Brentford, should they be trying to nick a point or do they desperately need to win? Um, and it's football. Yeah, you know, we, we you know, the reason why we love the game is because it's football, and it's it's become too much. Process, procedure, section numbers, accountants, lawyers, and so on, and, and that's that's not healthy. Um, you know, I think we we probably all broadly agree on that. Well, I'm a, I'm aware how it's going to turn out, Kieran, because uh, two blokes in the Porter's Arms last night know for a fact, and they're not even Everton fans, but they know for a fact that um, <clears throat> Everton will. Uh, win this appeal and then get uh, deducted 10 points in the next investigation. They're very adamant that that's exactly what's going to happen. How they know that from their, their bastion in Thornton Heath, I don't know, but they're, they're absolutely, never, <laughs> absolutely certain that's what's going to happen. Never, uh, never uh, dispute a pub lawyer, Kevin. Never, never dispute a pub lawyer. These two are far from being pub lawyers, Kieran. Uh, there's a very different reason why I wouldn't dispute with these two, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Um, here's some news, Kieran, that ranks up there with a bear being spotted heading towards the woods with a rolled-up newspaper <laughs> under his arm. <laughs> yes. Um, we've not spoken about him for some time. Um, and I think we, we both took a fair amount of stick a couple of years ago because we were quite sceptical. It's our very good friend, Chris Kirchner. Uh, for people unfamiliar with the story, Chris Kirchner um, tried to buy Preston North End at one point in time. Um, I, I, I have it on very, very good authority, very senior authority, that um, the Hemmings fam- family took an instant dislike to him. I think it was the fact that he wore a, a golf shirt and a baseball cap. Um, but, <laughs> his, but his general demeanour was was just yeah, a little bit, uh, little bit ducking and diving. Um, Peter Ridsdale called him out at the time, and uh, you know Peter Ridsdale is a, uh, a man with an interesting back history. But you know he he spotted that there were issues there, um, and he was also, of course, famously the preferred bidder of Quantumar, the administrators of Derby County, um, and he subsequently disappeared off the face of the earth, and. He spent uh, uh, his recent times being chased by the FBI. He has now been found guilty on four counts of wire fraud and seven counts of money laundering. Um, investors have lost at least $25 million on the back of that. 
um, we are talking about um, you know, individual charges could carry sentences of between 10 to 20 years. Now, whether they run in parallel or in, in sequence, we, we don't know. Um, he managed to fool Goldman Sachs. He managed to fool other investors. Um, there's There's been a lot of uh, comment from Derby fans um, about this, that he also fooled the EFL. But you know, from what I understand, the, the EFL were getting letters from you know, senior banks saying, yeah, he's got this money in the account. It was looking fine. And under those circumstances, you you take what's given to you. You, you can't physically go and, you know, sort of uh, empty out somebody's pockets. Um, so it's it's a spectacular, um, it's a spectacular fraud by all accounts. But I think there are certain warning signs. And uh, I, I know some senior journalists who, who spotted this, who, who called it out at the time as well. Um, if somebody has no digital footprint and then goes to having a and all of a sudden Chris Kirchner was being spotted at every major golf tournament around the planet you know alongside some of the you know, the the most famous golfers um you know, why why has nobody heard of him before so so i think you know we we live in a digital world and yeah, that's the first thing you do. You go to LinkedIn, you go to Google, and you, and you try to build up. This this company seemed to come from nowhere. This individual seemed to come from nowhere. Um, it's not dissimilar to what we've seen with uh, Sheikh Jassim and Manchester United. You know, it's, you know, um, and and that that deal failed partly due, uh, according to the documents lodged at the SEC, because. He, the proof of funds was was not forthcoming. So all very intriguing stuff. Um, but all we can say on, on behalf of both Preston and Derby fans is that you, you didn't dodge one bullet. You you dodged, dodged a hail of bullets in respect of this because Chris Kirchner would not have been good for your club and how he would have used the assets of the club, you know, what one hates to think. Uh, could you tell us... Uh... Kieran, by which I mean, could you tell me just exactly what a wire fraud is? Yeah, wire fraud is using any form of electronic communications to misrepresent things from a financial point of view. So that can be email, that can be telephone, that can be, um, you know, WhatsApp messages and so on. WhatsApp messages? I thought they disappeared, Kieran. <laughs> As you just did. <laughs> For those of you listening at home, Kieran just disappeared out of shot. <laughs> just, I thought the old bill. The postman's went. arriving, so oh, okay. I thought I'd, I'd preempt the uh, apologies. For those people that don't like barking dogs, but okay. I, thought the, I thought the old bill had turned up looking for their money. Was it was <laughs> our money for the parking fine? This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by NordVPN. If you use unsecure public Wi-Fi connections with your laptop or mobile device and worry about whether your data is safe, using NordVPN can protect you. With NordVPN, your internet traffic is routed through a secure encrypted tunnel which protects your data and privacy. You can also have NordVPN on up to six devices. So that's your laptop phone, smart TV, tablet, and even your router can all get the same level of protection. NordVPN is fast, 
easy to use, and you can connect with one click or even enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. I use it wherever I go. Price of Football listeners can go to nordvpm.com slash priceoffootball now to get an exclusive deal. It's risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpm.com slash priceoffootball. Be quick, because this offer is available for a limited time only. Talking of various frauds, Kieran, I'm going to plug an interview that we have tomorrow with Mm -hmm. uh, Martin Calladine, who's written a book, a very, very good book, about the shady stroke, shameful relationship that football has had recently with cryptocurrency. Um, I strongly suggest that our listeners uh, take an hour off and and time not to say, listen again, damn. um, Finley's back in. I think it was so, the Baroness. Uh, yeah, so the word um, the, the word fraud will be used quite a lot in that interview. It's, uh, <laughs> talking. Um, <clears throat> some infighting at UEFA, Kieran. Yes, um, the uh, president of UEFA, uh, Alexander Seferin, uh, when he was first appointed. Um, it was on the back of a, a bit of a scandal involving Michelle Platinery. But Platini. <laughs> Platinery? That's what he gets up to, a little bit of Platinery at the weekend. <laughs> um, for um, unauthorised payments from FIFA and so on, and, and you know, his, his strange relationship with Seb Blatter. And one of the things that I think was done as sort of a review of governance of UEFA was the um, the potential uh, scenario in which somebody could effectively become president for life, um, and that's that's not normally you know when most organisations have have term limits. Um, for example, the to be the United States president, you're only allowed two terms. Although expect to see Donald Trump try to overturn that over the course of the next four years. Um, and, and that's to that's to protect abuse of power. Now, in the case of Seferin, he he is from a legal background, and he said, uh, and uh, UEFA Congress agreed that you shouldn't be allowed to sit for more than three terms, and each term is four years. Now, he was appointed in I think in twenty sixteen. And now he appears to be saying, well, okay, he was appointed in 2016. Um, he, uh, his, his term would effectively expire, I think, in, in 2027. He's now saying the first one doesn't count. <laughs> right. um, and people are going, hold on, that, that, that sounds a bit odd. And, and that reminds me of a mate of mine when I was at school. Um, he, uh, he signed up with the army at the age of 17 uh, on a three-year uh, you know, three-year term with the army, and I, I remember used to see him now and then in town. I said, "How he's going?" He, he, he wasn't over enjoying it. You know, it's it's a uh, it's a demanding job, and and you get sent to places. You know, you, you know what it was like in late seventies, early eighties, where the types of place you would get sent. Um, and then he found that the uh, he he'd signed up for a three-year term. The first two years didn't count. So he ended up having to do five, and it was quite a stressful experience. So there should be checks and balances. Um, and 
Seferin's now saying, oh, well, I might not stand for re-election re in 2027, or I might do, keeping it vague. But uh, Boban, who is the director of football, um, he's uh, sent in a letter of resignation to say, I don't feel comfortable about this from a governance point of view. Um, Seferin's been coming out with you know, sort of soft-soaping the media, um, saying that uh, clubs being acquired by sovereign wealth funds is, uh, is, is less bad uh, than uh, being acquired by hedge funds and private equity. And I, I think I can understand where he's coming from with regards to that, because at least with a sovereign wealth fund, you know who the baddie is. For, you know, it, I'm not saying that these owners are baddies, but at least you know who to point the finger at. Uh, hedge funds and private equity, you've got no idea where the money's coming from that's going into football. Uh, all you can say with a reasonable degree of certainty is that they're probably not football fans, they're fans of becoming rich, and that's what the business does, and I'm, I'm not going to be critical. Um, so there clearly is uh, now a an element of dissent, uh, but we, we saw that with Infantino as well with respect of, of FIFA, and uh, Infantino ended up being re-elected unopposed for another four years. So some, uh, there, there'll be a lot of meetings behind closed doors, WhatsApp groups being set up to, to try to see whether there is uh, sufficient opposition to Seferin to, to put up a runner against him. It's, it's not dissimilar to what we see in terms of at least one political party in this country who you think would have quite a big job on at present, uh, but seems more interested in internal infighting. Well, Seferin probably is working on the basis that if, if FIFA have got a leader in place until he drops dead of money poisoning, then it makes life easier if UEFA have got a leader in place for life as well. Just just in terms of negotiating, Kieran, you might as well get to know the person you're going to be spending <laughs> a long time. We've, we've already had the exciting confirmation, Kieran, of, of where bears go to the toilet. And now we have news up there that the, the Pope probably definitely is a Catholic. This, is, <laughs> this story is up there with that revelation. Yeah. <laughs> um- Yes, uh, John Delaney, who uh, we we have spoken about on regular basis, uh, a, a proud Irishman, a proud Irishman who was uh, the the former chief executive officer officer of the Football Association of Ireland. And he's so proud of being an Irishman, he's he's decided to go and live in England. Um, <laughs> that's strange, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> There's a lot of Irish people, Kieran, who do anything for Ireland except live there. <laughs> true, true. Um, he's been subject to a four-year investigation into his reign. And again, I would recommend the book Champagne Football. If you want to see this in depth, it's, it's a really good investigative journalism done. Um, but there has, there, there has been a, an en passe with regards to around about 1,300 emails um, in, in relation to John Delaney as to whether or not they are acceptable evidence. Uh, he's saying, oh, you don't need to see them. Ah, be away with you and all that. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I can broadly summarise those emails. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a bit of a poor show. You know, he, he should have put uh, Rebecca Vardy 
in charge <laughs> of his uh, yeah appointer as his PA. None of this none of this nonsense would have arisen. Um, but there has been an investigation by the Irish authorities, which which could lead to serious repercussions. Um, he's run up a two million legal bill on on the back of this. Um, if you if you are a silver tongue friend, good luck in getting that. Um, but th- there were a number of issues. For example, in the audited accounts of the FAI, um, there wasn't reference in one of the years to a, a three million euro salary that Mr. Delaney was receiving. It's not for us to say whether that's an appropriate level for a uh, one of the smaller countries, as far as European football is concerned. A one hundred uh, thousand euro loan to Mr. Delaney, which didn't appear to uh, appear in, in terms of being disclosed as far as the uh, FAI accounts. And uh, I think we, we mentioned this in respect of Joe Lewis uh, payments to lady friends, uh, 95,000 euro for a person with who appeared to be in a relationship with. But, what exactly was she, was she doing for that ninety five thousand euro? Um, who would have approved that? Had it gone through? You know, has it been evidenced and has it been signed off appropriately? So there are significant issues in, in terms of governance. And, and yes, we you know we, we make light of these, but we, we shouldn't be. Um, you know, governance within institutions that are rep, are representing a a game that we have so much affection for. Um, you assume that they're doing the job for the right reasons rather than creating personal fiefdoms and uh, and money pots. So let's, th- this one has got a long time to run, uh, but uh, he's, he's suffered a bit of a blow. Maybe John Delaney moved to England so he could uh, surreptitiously drop his laptop over the side of the ferry. Really? Have, <laughs> have we considered that? Uh, Real Madrid fans will be happy, Kieran, that they've uh, returned to the top of the league, where I'm sure they think they belong. Yes, this is the Deloitte Money League. It looks at the revenue uh, generated by football clubs. And Real Madrid um, have overtaken Manchester City. Um, and I would expect them, especially once the, the stadium is completed, they will have a significant advantage over Manchester City with regards to match day income in particular at the Bernabeu. Um, I thought what was interesting, as far as the overall money league was concerned, that it's very much a case of mind the gap. The, the top 20 clubs between them have a 14% increase in revenue. Um, there's eight Premier League clubs in the top 20 revenue generating clubs on the planet and there's 14 Premier League clubs including both of ours in the top 30 yeah and we we know the history of our clubs you know we we do not consider ourselves to be a, a Brighton in the top 30 Palace in the top 30 that that doesn't fit easy I think with with where we see our clubs in terms of their position in the overall market but I think it's testament to the uh, the success of the Premier League as a global brand. So the money's coming in. The reason why I say in mind the gap is that below the top 20, below the top 30, the rate of growth is far lower. So it's yet you know, 14% of a big number is a big number. 
if you're getting five percent of a small number, it's uh, you know that that gap is growing. Um, and also, uh, you know, it's always a good report. Um, and also, we're getting we're getting noises um, in re- in respect of um, the regulator that Deloitte are going to be involved in sort of helping to set up the regulator um, in, in terms of you know, assisting, and, and that's fine. You know, they're a they're a firm of accountants, they're a firm of advisors, but. If that is the case, then we've got to be also in consideration of you know what we sometimes refer to as the Caesar's wife situation. You've not only have you got to be virtuous, you've got to be seen to be virtuous. And Deloitte are the auditors of the Premier League. The Premier League are opposed to the regulator. So if on the one hand you're assisting in setting up the regulator, and at the same time you're the auditors of somebody who are intractably opposed to the regulator you, you can see there's potential for for conflict of interest you know the, the, Deloitte will say well hold on yeah we've got what we refer to as ethical walls within the organization that we don't talk to people who are involved in project x if they're because if, if, they're, if they're auditing a, a company which is also involved directly or indirectly and it it sort of gets by in other industries but I'm not so sure that the optics are good. I think they're also the auditors of Arsenal and Spurs. Now, you know, will some of the other clubs say, does this mean that they're getting the inside track as to what's going to be happening? The regulator, are they in then a position then to pass that on to, to Arsenal and Spurs? And again, you know, Deloitte will say, yeah, we, we're ethical. We, we, we wouldn't do that. But football fans don't accept that. And I think there will become a lot of scrutiny, and there'll be a lot of scrutiny from the media, and a lot of scrutiny from fans. Um, it it looks awkward if uh, if these stories are true. The next time somebody asks me what I know about maths, Kieran, I'm going to blind them by saying, "Well, I know that 14 percent of a big number is a big number," and they will go, well, "He knows what he's talking about." That bloke. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kieran, but I think we've discussed before that Deloitte tend to value clubs. So we say slightly more highly than other uh, accountants and people do. They tend to put a bigger price on the club that that maybe you would suggest a club is worth. Um, I'm not so sure. Everybody's got their proprietary method, right? Okay. Um, so um, you know, I'm I'm aware of a couple of deals going through at present, and I've sort of been sort of giving sort of nods. That sounds like a good. Yeah, 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 ties in broadly with my numbers, or uh, and so on. Um, it, it's it's one of those really awkward things. You know, how how do you value a work of art? Because that's what a football club is. Sure, uh, it, it is that unique. So so everybody's got their own method. So I, I don't. I wouldn't say that Deloitte's over egg the pudding, in my view. Right. Uh, this is a strange one, Kieran, because Manchester United are, are borrowing money. But apparently, no one's lending it to them. No, so we. No, 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 no. It's not a loan. Yeah, this is this is a really weird one, and this is something I've, I've got to put hold my hand up. I've, uh, I've I've looked at the financial fair play rules since they came into existence, and my interpretation of them, and, and certainly the the view of many other people, is that it says that clubs are allowed to lose fifteen million pounds over three years. But if there is secure funding given, 
you can increase that to 105 million. And if you take a look at the Premier League handbook, it says secure funding cannot be a loan. And it, and it puts those, those are the actual words it uses. Um, now, that would be an issue for Manchester United because, you know, if, you're not, if it can't be from a loan, you would think that the only other way, and again, this is specifically mentioned, it's not going to be a loan, it would have to be money from the shareholders. And we've seen other shareholders, um, you know, the likes of Newcastle and, and so on, and likes of Villa, where the owners have put money into the club in the form of shares. And the difference between funding a club through shares and funding a club through debt is that if you fund a club through shares, you can't ask for your money back. So that gives you that gives the club a degree of protection. In the case of Manchester United, what they have done instead is that they have taken out an overdraft. And that overdraft, I think it's limited as 160 million, might be 200. I think it's 200 limit, and I think they've taken out 160. And what now appears to be the case, and, and this is something which I, I, I do genuinely struggle to get my head around, is that they show the overdraft as part of their financial debts in the accounts. And then they say, uh, yeah, the overdraft, no, it's it's not a loan. So, and I go, well, hold on. Yeah, what do you do with a loan? You borrow it from a bank, you pay interest and you have to repay it. And with an overdraft, you borrow it from a bank, you pay interest and you have to repay it. And yeah, 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 yeah. But one of those is a loan and therefore isn't included in the FFP calculations. And the other one is treated as secure funding. And therefore, you are allowed. And that does appear to be the case. So, you know, I've got to hold my hands up that I thought when it specifically says not a loan, you know, then an overdraft has, which has all the characteristics of a loan, um, would be included as well. But I'm wrong. And I think so are many other people who've looked at this um, in recent years. Imagine, Kieran, being 160 million quid overdrawn and you still haven't reached your limit. You're, you're down to cash point <laughs> thinking, I'm out, I'm out tonight, I'm going to check. Oh, no, great, I've still got 40 million quid to go. <laughs> yes. and, and I assume Man United are not getting the phone calls that we ordinary people get. So, hey, you're close to your overdraft limit. Yes, I know, that's where I live. <laughs> I'm going to call my house close to the overdraft limit. Um, exciting news off the pitch, Kieran, for Birmingham City fans, it looks like. Yes, um, they are going to uh, have a significant uh, cash injection from the owners. They've signed a commercial deal with the club's owners. And I, I quite like the owners in the sense that they've called their, their setup, their holding company, Shelby Industries. So you know, <laughs> a nod to Peaky Blinders. Fair play to them for that. Um but the, the money involved uh, in terms of this is, is estimated to be somewhere between six to nine million pounds, um, which at championship level is a significant boost. Mm. And uh, yeah, we don't know how that money is going to be paid. Not certain whether that money is all going to be included in a single year. Um, but after um, you know, the initial big splash of information in terms of the new American owners coming in and the links with Tom Brady, the Wayne Rooney experiment, which didn't work. They're now doing things with hard cash, which, uh, you know, as fans, the first thing we think of, oh, cash, how can that be spent? Um, and 
you know, rumours of Mbappe being seen uh, wandering around Small Heath are, uh, <laughs> are are circulating. I'll say no more than that. <laughs> well, uh, I was in Small Heath just two days ago, and all I can say to him is, "Good luck, Killian. Enjoy yourself." <laughs> <laughs> and the, the the cup game, Fulham Newcastle, Kieran, on Saturday evening. Uh, there were visibly empty seats all over the ground, um, but it appears that none of the commentators, either on TV or radio or pundits, had any real clue as to why those seats were empty. Yes. Um, Sheffield United versus Brighton on Saturday. Um, fair play to Sheffield United. Uh, you know, Brighton aren't a big draw. We know that. So a tenner. Means that you know, Blades fans turned up. Brighton took a Brighton sold out their allocation, um, and all all was good with the world. So you know, give give credit club. And we're in January. Um, most of us hadn't been paid, you know, because you know it, it was that, and we've just been through that that period of you know five five and a half weeks without being paid because many people get paid early in December, as we know. So some clubs, and I give them a lot of credit, have said we acknowledge this especially for matches which are live on telly, um, we're going to reduce prices. And Shahid Khan at Fulham said, I'm going to try a different variant of this. I'm going to charge people 40 quid to watch a match on a Saturday night, um, which is being shown live on television. Uh, yeah, first of all, fair play to Newcastle. For yeah, Newcastle fans will... Will follow their club up and down the country, as we know. They 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 took their full allocation, but their supporters trust showed solidarity with uh, their, their brethren at Fulham. Um, there's now a hashtag affordable Fulham. The the supporters groups at Fulham, and we we've mentioned this before with regards to um, the owners of Fulham who are billionaires, saying we need to extract more money from the regular fan base and. There is, in my view, and, and you know this far better than I do because you, you've lived in London all of your life. I, I just started off there. I think there is this misconception that Fulham is a middle-class, genteel fan. Just because their fans are nice doesn't mean that their fans are wealthy. Um, so um, this this is a, an ongoing issue with regards to the pricing. The owners will say... You know, concert tickets have gone up, theatre tickets have gone up in price and so on. Um, but I don't go to watch the same play 25, 30 times a year. Um, and also when I go to watch a play, I've got a rough idea in advance whether it's going to be any good or not. Um, sometimes it can be toilet and sometimes, and sometimes it can be good. I'm not denying that, but to expect people to pay top prices for a matches like this i think is is inappropriate it shows a lack of understanding um of of circumstance um and it is further evidence of the disconnect between club owners on occasion and the the people that that watch that club week in week out in the case of fulham fans yeah I've, you're absolutely right about the perception of them i think people who don't know london uh, don't know the economic reality of hammersmith and its surroundings if the only thing you see of Fulham is, is walking through Bishop's Park or walking through some of the streets near the ground, then you would go, well, crikey, everyone's a millionaire around here. But I thought it was slightly unnecessary. I listened to part of the game on Five Live and, and the, 
the commentator, who's a very good commentator, I wrote name him, but was was speculating about Newcastle fans sitting in other parts of the ground and, and saying, you know, he put on a very posh voice and said, hello, I'm from Putney, I'm a Fulham fan. It's like, you don't know, you don't know the reality of, you know, Fulham is, Fulham's a London club, Fulham is a traditional working class club, but it, it it's, I think it's a shame that even the owner seems to think that these people can afford 40 quid. It's, it, and even just as a PR gesture, they don't seem to realise you get much better PR and you probably make more money in the end by encouraging, you, you know, you'll encourage a couple of kids who've never been to a football game before and they'll become Fulham fans. It's just short-sighted and exploiting your own fans is just not a good look, really. Newport fans, Kieran, queuing up for the, the Man United Cup tie on on, on Sunday and... Um, I can't remember laughing as much as I did for a long time when they Newport equalised in that game. But Newport <laughs> fans had some interesting news on their way through the turnstiles. Yes, uh, a former guest on the show, Hugh Jenkins. Mm. Uh, he he used to be the uh, chief exec at uh, Swansea, and now he has uh, effectively put together a consortium and completed the takeover of Newport County. And, and I, I certainly, you know, we, I think we picked up from the time he came on the show that his time in football was not over and he was still looking for opportunities. Um, you, you've got to go and say, well, well good luck um, with this because it is a thankless task owning or controlling a football club in the lower divisions. But, you know, Hugh is, is clearly a person with a, uh, a strong uh, degree of, of business acumen and, and wants to, to move the club forward as, as far as he can. So you know, all we can say is, is you know, all the best and uh, fingers crossed that uh, you know, next season you get a couple of decent draws as well as well as making progress in the league. Well, we end, Kieran, with news that if Newport were to get to the semi-final of the Carabao Cup next year, it will be a two-legged affair. Yes, and, and there's been a few... Uh, sniffy comments about this, which which I find very harsh. Mm. Um, our friend Trevor Birch, uh, you know, we, we we know the EFL. We, we've met Trevor. We've met other people at the EFL as well. Um, he's he said the two legged uh, semi final of the Carabao Cup will be taking place for for the foreseeable future, and people are saying, "Well, hold on, you know, how can you possibly do that when we've got?" The expanded Champions League, you know that expanded champ- that competition, which which nobody asked for it to be expanded, but it's being expanded all the same. Um, you're not going to be able to fit in all of the fixtures, um, and there's been a couple of journalists in, in their columns again, the sort of very very sort of negative comments. But this would not be taking place. The the EFL are willing to give up the two legged semi final. You know, they're 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 pra- practical and pragmatic. Um, they're willing to do that as part of a broader settlement with the Premier League. But as we indicated at the start of the show, the Premier League is not willing to give anything up. And we've got this Premier League uh, shareholders meeting taking place in a week's time. So if your only negotiation chip is going to be in respect of the Carabao Cup, now it could be that... Uh, yeah, the nuclear option is it gets scrapped, which which I personally think is a bit harsh. 
Um, but the two-legged semi-final is clearly one thing which would be easy to to deal with um, in respect of a more equitable distribution of money from the Premier League to the clubs in the EFL. Um, you, you don't give up your one bargaining chip just because it's going to inconvenience uh, the Glazers and Fenway Sports Group and and uh, so on and you know and uh, City Football Group in terms of their uh, planning for twenty four twenty five in in the Champions League. So I find the the negativity uh, naive. You know, it, it, if you go into any negotiating relationship, you always know that one party tends to be in a stronger position than the other. So the last thing I do is give up the only chips that I've got. Mm. A, a more equitable distribution of money to the EFL, given that the Premier League had already agreed to. Yes, but then they'd not agreed how they were going to equitably split it up amongst themselves. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to join them and make a small monthly contribution to the pod, that'd be very kind of you. And you can get access to our chat community and our regular quizzes as well. And you can do that by going to patreon.com. At price slash price of football. If you've got a question you'd like answered on our Monday questions pod, then you can email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And you can also go to priceoffootball.com if you want to buy one of our books or get yourself a Price of Football t-shirt. We'll be back on Monday with a questions pod. In the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Uh, well, thank you to everybody. Uh, thanks to all the uh, Luton fans as well, who were very very magnanimous about their victory um, <laughs> in, in engagements I had with them last night. And I, I always take the view that if, 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 you, if you win and you deserve to win, say say that. Yeah. And they go, but you've you've not you've not abused us. And I think well, well no, it's no, let's, let's 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 be pleasant to each other. Um, there's various ways you can support the show. If you, if you don't want the adverts, uh, Patreon is one route that you can go down. Uh, but if you give us a review, it helps. Um, you could even say. You would, uh, and this is—I think this is a suggestion has come from uh, a Reading fan. Uh, you could even say you would rather have the show presented by Reading owner Di Yonga <laughs> and a uh, half dozen of very very hungry bears. Um, <laughs> and I think it could be a short show. <laughs> well, once you've got the bears out of the wood, Kieran, where they went into with their rolled up newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, I think that would, that would certainly, break. I mean, it'd be the most popular podcast in Berkshire for a start, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes. uh, bye, everybody. Bye. The price of football. Bye, son, for the